It's good to see you all here today. So, well, today started off really kind of, I guess, it was a God thing uh, because of what he had put on my heart to talk about, and it started off the bat. So um, I was supposed to be here at 7.40 to meet with Pastor Jack and to pray, and I wasn't very late, so thank goodness. But I'm, I left, thought, oh, i got plenty of time. I'll get there about 15 minutes early. Pulled up to Elbing. The arms on the railroad track started flashing, and the bell started going. And I was, oh, probably 50 yards from it. I thought, can I gun it and get through it? And I second, took a second thought, and I took my foot off the gas, and I'm glad I did because those gates came down, and then not even two seconds later, a train came across. I thought, man, that's the shortest gap between the gates falling and a train going that I've ever seen. And so I'm glad I stopped. Otherwise, you'd have been trying to find somebody else to, to speak today. Pastor Jack had been put on the spot. But anyway, so I sat there, and I was thinking, okay, it's a train. No big deal. We're waiting. So three engines, two of them smoke billowing, going as hard as they could, pulling, and the cars started going by, and they kept going, and they kept going, and they kept going, and I'm thinking, oh man, this is a long one, and then I saw another engine, I think, oh good, it's the end of the train, but it wasn't, it was an engine in the middle of the train, billowing smoke, going full bore, and the cars, they continued to go, and so I think I timed it 12 and a half minutes, and then finally, the last car was another engine, and it was billowing smoke too, I was thinking, man, that train had to have some weight, Four engines all running at the same time. That's pretty good. But So God was creating patience and waiting before I even got here this morning. But we made it safe and got here and, and all is well. So um, I don't know about you guys, but when you think of waiting, what do you think of? I'll let you think about that here for a second. Before I get started, um, go any farther, I like to pray and then, and then read the scripture that, that is the main scripture today. So if you would, just bow with me. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come to you. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are sovereign and that you are faithful. And Lord, that you are so patient with us. Lord, in all of our shortcomings and all of our failings, and all of our inadequacies, you continue to pursue us. You continue to direct us. You continue to speak to our hearts. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would cover me with a veil. Lord, that your spirit would block me out and that, that the words that are heard today would be your words and they would not be my words. Lord, just use me as an instrument. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about waiting, if you haven't guessed from the train illustration. Um, <clears throat> the scripture that I picked is, is not one that you normally would think about, a scripture in dealing with waiting. But um, it does. So Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. Then Jesus, Jesus went up with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is to be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, 
So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again for the second time he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So, when we're waiting, there's actually two types of waiting. There are passively waiting, there is passively waiting, and there is, um, I guess you could say, aggressively or um, waiting where you work for it. So, um, and, that's, and that's where we have to look. We fall into two, two categories. So I have two examples on a slide up here I want to show you if they can pull those up. Okay, you guys may not know this. The passive, okay, is a bear cat. And the only reason I know that is because my college mascot was a bear cat. But this bear cat is waiting. But he is passively waiting. He's just sacked out on that limb. I don't know what he's waiting for, but he's waiting for something. Okay? Now, I've got a dog at home, little Havanese. And when we leave the house, that dog jumps up on the back of the couch, lays on the back of the couch, arms hanging over like this, and just waits for us in the front window. Okay? So, doesn't necessarily do anything. Sleeps. I may go eat once in a while, but he passively waits. But this other picture you have, um, up there is a, a German short hair, and it's a hunting dog, and it's on point right now. Now, a hunting dog is not a passive waiter. It is an active waiter, and what it does is it's always on weight. And I used to have a, a German short hair that looked a lot like that one, and when I would get up in the morning to get ready to go hunting, <clears throat> he was on edge. He was waiting. His muscles were tense. He was shaking. He would shake a lot, all right? And so... We'd, I'd get the guns and everything. We'd get in the car. He'd jump in the truck, and, and we'd go, and he would shake in the truck. And he just, you know, looking out the windows, he was wound up tight, okay? And anyway, so we'd get to the field, and he'd get out of the car, and he'd sit down, and he'd wait for my command. So I'd get all my stuff together, and I'd say, go find the birds. And he'd take off like shot, just run, and run, and run, and run, and go back and forth, back and forth, that nose going, and that tail going. And then when he found some birds, he would stop, he would hit point, and he'd focus on them. He was again in waiting mode. His eyes are focused on the prey. His nose is still smelling to make sure they're there. And his ears are listening for me. And then in that whole time, his muscles are tensing up and winding up and getting ready to spring. And he would stay that way, waiting, actively waiting, until I walked up and I'd say flush. And he'd, then he'd go into the bush and the birds would fly. But his waiting wasn't over. Because as soon as those birds would fly, he would stop and he would be listening for the gunshot. And when I would shoot, he would be able to tell which direction that barrel was pointing. And then he would start that way. And then when I would say dead bird, he'd take off and go find the birds. All right. And then so he's searching, searching. He finds the bird. He comes back. And he sits down. And, and he waits there with the bird in his mouth. And I put my hand down. And I say, give. And he gives me the bird. What he's waiting for came to fruition. He found the birds. A bird got shot. He got to bring it back. He gets some praise. But then what's he do? He goes into waiting mode again. He's ready for the next task. And we do this over and over again all day long. And um, so he is actively waiting. And that's, that's how we should be, is we should be active waiters, not passive waiters when we wait on God. 
I don't know about you guys. Who likes to go to the doctor's office? Anybody? No. Who hates waiting in the doctor's office? Raise your hand. All you should put your hands up for that. I mean, you go in the doctor's office, you wait in line to check in. You check in, they say, go sit in the waiting room. So you go sit in the waiting room, and sometimes it's a long time, it seems like. So what do you do? If you're like me, maybe you'll scroll through and read some things on your phone. Maybe you'll play a video game. Maybe you'll kick some music on. Or maybe you find the magazine and flip through the magazines, and you're just kind of, that's kind of passive waiting, doing nothing. I've seen some people sleeping in there too, which I don't know if I do in the doctor's office. But anyway, so they call your name. All right, it's my turn. What do they do? They put you in a little room with this pull-out bed thing, and you sit there and wait for the doctor to come in. Doctor comes in, treats you, and then he gets done. And what happens? Well, you got to either wait to go have a test, or you got to wait to have them check you out and go get your bill and walk out. So you're waiting. But, you know, most of the time we do that, it is passive waiting. And so I, I am an impatient person. I don't like to wait. Does anybody else like to wait? I've got some friends that do. They like to wait. And so, and I say, why? And they say, well, it gives us time to do stuff. And so um, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're waiting, you're not doing. John Piper says, to us, waiting is wasting, but to God, waiting is working. Isn't that cool? To us, waiting is wasting, but to God, waiting is working. And since God works in the wait, and he tells us to wait on him, you know, we need to learn how to wait. And um, there are five things that we could or should be doing when we are waiting on God. And that's kind of what we are going to, to go over today. God has laid that on my heart as I have been waiting for some things in, in life recently. Um, so waiting does not have to be passive. It should be active. And there are five things that we need to do when we are waiting on the Lord. The first one is we should wait in silence and lift our eyes on the Most High. Psalm 62 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. And then Isaiah 40 says, Lift up your eyes on high, see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of His might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Now, when we talk about waiting in silence for the Lord, we're not talking about finding a quiet place and sitting down and just being quiet and resting and doing nothing. When God says wait in silence for the Lord, what he wants us to do is he wants us to quiet our spirit so that he can begin to speak to us and work in us and mold us and direct us. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean we're always standing still. You can be doing things in life and still have your spirit quiet. That's something we need to learn to do is to quiet our spirit and to wait on God. And then when we do that, if we lift our eyes to Him and we look to Him for guidance, for answers, for clarity, as we do that, God begins to work in our life and the waiting process starts. And there's no telling how long it's going to be because God's timing is perfect. You know, as the song that we just sang says, he is never late, all right? God's timing is never late. Sometimes we think it is. Sometimes we think that we've been waiting forever. When is he going to answer? When is he going to direct? But that's not the case. His timing is always perfect, and we'll talk about that a little here. But when we lift our eyes up to God and we wait in silence, there are a couple things we need to do. Number one, we need to remember who it was that created us. And that was God the Father, the creator of all. And then we need to also remember, not only did he create us, 
but he loves us so much that when we chose to walk away, that he provided Jesus Christ to take away our sins. So not only did God create us, but God saves us. God waits from the day we're born until the day we make a commitment to him. God waits for us to come to him. He sets a wonderful example. But when he waits for us, he's not passive about it. He is pursuing each and every one of us. And when we are waiting for God, we should be pursuing him. The next thing we do when we're lifting our eyes up to him and waiting in silence is we need to know where our hope comes from. We're not hoping in the things of this world. We're not hoping in money. We're not hoping in timelines. We are hoping in the Lord. And then as we take hope in him, then we can take refuge in him. We can trust him to be our shelter as we are waiting, as we are being guided. And the next thing we can know is is that when we are waiting for God, lifting our eyes up to him, we can be assured that he is personally interested in what we are waiting for. doesn't matter who we are. He's personally interested in what we are waiting for. And how do we know that? It's because the, the scripture tells us that he knows each of us by name and that not one of them will be forgotten. God knows you by name. And if he knows you by name, then you think that he would know what you're going through and what you're looking for. And so we can trust in him, and we can look to him as we are waiting. The second thing that we need to do while we're waiting is we need to wait and trust in God's timing. God's timing is perfect. In Isaiah, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard, that the Lord is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. When we think about God's timing, all we have to do is look around. If we look at the universe that he created and and, and our planet, look at the timing of everything. Not only in the order in which he created it so that everything would flourish, but also in the way that it's laid out. How far we are from the sun, how fast our planet spins, how quickly it goes around the orbit of the sun. Okay, and the distance it is between planets and the tilt of it. If there was just one thing off, a degree in the tilt or a few minutes in the speed of the orbit or in the spin of the earth, things would not be right. They would not sustain life. God has set these up perfectly. The timing of the earth and the way it goes is perfect. But also we can look at ourselves. And God has created us in such a way that our heart and our lungs and our brain all work in perfect timing. Now, I do know there are times that sometimes it is out of sync, and we need doctors and medicine, and we need to pray. But God, when he created us, he created our bodies to work in perfect sync and in perfect time. All the organs, everything, all the cells. And when we look at that, then we know, should know that we can trust in God's timing. T.D. Jake says, If you are going to be successful in a dance... You must be able to respond to the rhythm and timing. It is the same in the spirit. People who do not understand God's timing can become spiritually spastic, trying to make the right things happen at the wrong time. They don't get his rhythm, and everyone can tell that they are out of step. They birth things prematurely, threatening the very lives of their God-given dreams. You know, if we get ahead of God, We tend to ruin things. I don't know about you, but I have ruined a lot of things because I've been so-called waiting on God and I get impatient and I step forward and I do something myself. And when I do that, it just blows up. And I'm thinking, God, did you want me to do this? 
Well, he probably did, but probably not that way or in that timing. And so I just totally ruin it. But if we learn to trust in God's timing, then we can sit back and we can wait and we can trust in God's goodness. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Titus 3 says this. It says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. And then I highlighted this so I could read it better, but I can't read it better, so I'm really going to shine the light here. It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of our works done by his righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The goodness of God. No matter what we do in life, God's love is there, God's grace is there, God's goodness is there. And we can trust in that. And we need to learn to trust in God's goodness in the fact that we know that it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The goodness of God is the same when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt as it was when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were waiting for him to deliver them out of the fiery furnace. It was the same as it was when the disciples were called by Jesus Christ to come and to live with him and to learn and to do. And his grace is the same in our lives now as it was then. And his grace will be the same for generations to come as we pass the torch on. The goodness of God is something that is, we can depend on. So, and I know the kids will raise their hand here, but who likes fast food? Raise your hand. McDonald's, is McDonald's your favorite? No, that's bad. How about Freddy's? You guys tried Freddy's? You like Freddy's? There's a lot of hands there. That's good. Let me tell you something about Freddy's. Freddy's, when we lived in El Dorado, we used to love Freddy's, and we'd go, you know, about once every two weeks, sometimes once a week, you know, depending on, on how we felt. But anyway, we loved their flat burgers and their small fries and, and their custard. And when we moved to Minnesota, there was not a Freddy's there. And we were like, oh, this just isn't home without Freddy's. Well, after we were there a couple of years, they built a Freddy's an hour and a half away in St. Cloud. So we would drive down to St. Cloud, and we'd go to Freddy's, and we'd order. And when we were getting it, sitting down and eating, we were thinking, oh, this is so good. This is just like home. You know, and that's I love fast food because you know you McDonald's or Freddy's wherever you go, you can count on the taste because it tastes the same. Even though McDonald's is not the greatest taste, I love McDonald's because I know if I go to McDonald's in Maine, it's going to be the same as it is in South Texas, and if I go to McDonald's in South Texas, it's the same as it is in Northern Minnesota, and so I can depend on that taste. And that's the way God is, is no matter where we are, what we're going through in life, if we remember his goodness, we can depend on that. We can depend on the fact that God is good and that God is waiting for us and God is leading us and that God is desiring us to pursue him. The fourth thing that we can do while we are, are waiting is this. We need to wait by taking the right actions. And after I share this with you, I want to share a little bit about our story with you for, for waiting. Matthew 26 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And then in Daniel, it says this, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, 
For from the first day that you set your heart to understand, you humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So as we are waiting in God, we have to wait by taking the right actions. The first thing we need to do is we need to humble ourselves. This is different than being still. We need to come to a point where we say, God, you are the sovereign God. You are the one who created all things, the one who runs all things, the one who controls all things. And I am giving myself up to you. I am bowing down before you. And then when we humble ourselves along with that, we need to pray. You know, I don't know if you're sitting in the, in the waiting room or in the airport. Um, I'm not one person that's usually like this. But my grandmother, wherever she sat, she would talk to somebody. She would strike up a conversation. If she's sitting in a waiting room, she'd be talking to someone. If she's on the plane, she'd be talking to someone. If she's in the supermarket line, I would know that we're going to be there a long time because she is talking to someone, okay? Love my grandma to death, but she was the socialite, social butterfly, if I ever saw one. But that's what it is with God. When we pray with God, He wants us to sit and to talk with Him in the waiting. Isn't that sweet? When we wait, we're not waiting by ourselves. We are waiting right here next to God, and He wants us to talk to Him. Why? Because He desires that. He desires us to depend on Him, to talk to Him, to have a relationship with Him. Not only do we need to talk to Him, but we need to read His Word, because that is how He speaks to us. But I'd also encourage you to read some writings of other people that have great faith, that have deep understanding of God and His principles and standards, and read their works and see how God is speaking through them to you. And then, as we are pursuing God in that way, that we need to be expectant. If we are waiting on God, we need to expect that He will answer. And He will. He promises us that. this. You know, He says, pray whatever you will and it will be given unto you. If we are praying for God's direction and will, He will give us His direction and His will. But we have to be patient in seeking that. And that's the next thing that we have to do in the right action is we have to be patient. I am an impatient person. I don't know if it's by nature or just because I am. Um, but I love to have my girls help me with stuff. But if they're doing it and it's taking too long and it's not right, I step in and I finish it for them. Does anybody do that? Guys, you do that? Good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. It's okay if you didn't raise your hand. I know you're probably lying because you do that from time to time too. So, but <laughs> Anyway, um, I am impatient like that. And so I have trouble allowing people to do things. And so when I'm waiting on God, I have trouble allowing God to show me because I want to push the envelope. But if I'm patient and I'm expecting, then I can be hopeful. And I can be hopeful that God is going to answer and that when he answers, it is going to be good. So there's a difference. Now our family, we lived in El Dorado for about 14 years. And then one time I was having a weekend away where I would, my wife would say, you need to go and you need to spend time with God, you need to... Get right for the year. And so I do that. And God spoke to me. He said, your family is going to move to northern Minnesota, and I want you to live your faith out in front of your dad, his wife, and anybody else that I put in your path. So I came home, told my family, this is what God said. Is, guys that have daughters, have you ever had four ladies in your house bawling at one time? That's what happened. I told them we were moving. told my wife first, and she cried. Then we told the girls, and then all four of them cried. And as a result, I cried, which is terrible, okay? But don't tell anybody that. So um, anyway, 
I had them crying. Why? Not because it was so bad, but because we knew that God was calling us, and he was preparing our hearts for that. And so we moved, and we were there for six years. And when we were there for six years, we lived out what God asked us to do. And about eight, nine months ago, he said, okay, Sean and Susan, you've done what I asked. You are released to go somewhere else if you want. So Susan and I both felt that at the same time. And as we were driving from a vacation here back home, we said, what do you think about moving? And we both were like, God's released us. And so we started the process of moving or getting ready to move. So we had a number of things to do. We had to sell our house. We had to buy a house. We had to get a job for me. We had to figure out where the girls were going to school and all this. And so as the months went by, nothing was happening, and we were waiting on God. I would search for hours and hours on end houses online try to find something. And then I'd search for hours on end jobs and apply to jobs and try, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And my wife, as wise as she is, would say, Sean, you need to just trust God. Wait on the Lord. Okay, okay. So I'd go on for a little while, then I'd get back into it. I could not let it go. But my wife, she is, doggone it, she's always so smart and so wise and has the right words to say. And it just makes me think, why can't I not be like that? Um, but anyway, so she just kept saying, you need to wait on God. You need to wait on God. She was just persistent with that. And praise the Lord. Thank you that she was because I finally got to where I could wait. And I wasn't not doing anything. I was pursuing him in prayer and in scripture and in talking to other people. And as I did that, as I gave up more to him, and as I worked at waiting, all of a sudden he started doing things. We came down here and he got my wife a job before we did anything. He found us a house before I knew what I was going to be doing. He sold our house. It's kind of backwards, I know. We got everything sold and pot, and I don't even have a job yet. But then the sweetest thing. You guys had a position that is needing to be filled. God opened a door for me to be able to come and be a part of that. If I had not slowed down, if I had not quieted my spirit, if I had not, a turned my eye, had not turned my eyes towards him, if I had not been doing the right actions, I don't think that door would have ever opened. He had to make sure that I was ready at the right time, which is the same time that you guys were ready. And when we came to that spot that we were all waiting on God in the right way, he does incredible things. Amen. Thank you. So, Whenever I realize what God is doing, it gives me chills because I know that I didn't take time to recognize it. But when he shows me, it's incredible. So after we learn to wait in the right with the right actions, we have to wait and learn to be content. I think this is the hardest of them all. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, Paul says, for I have learned whatever situation I am in to be content. Remember, God is enough. Paul knew it. It took him a long time to figure it out. When we remember it, it will make waiting so much easier. God is enough. And when we finally realize that God is enough, then we need to remember to be thankful for what he gives when he gives it. Again, remember, God's timing is perfect. And when we know that God is enough and that we can be thankful for what he gives, then you know what? 
he usually shows us more of the plan or even the whole plan. And when that happens and our eyes are opened, it is so sweet because we know that we have been waiting in the right way for God. Charles Spurgeon has a few really good things to say about waiting. The first one is, stand still. Keep the posture of an upright man, ready for action, experiencing or expecting further orders, cheerfully and patiently waiting the directing voice. And it will not be long ere God shall say to you, as distinctly as Moses said to his people in Israel, go forward. Is that not what we are about here at Grace? Go forward. We are sent to the people in our community. And if we are going to be effective with them, then we have to wait on God for him to show us what his plan is for us in going out to our community. It's a beautiful thing. Charles Spurgeon also says, If the Lord Jehovah makes us wait, let us do so with our whole hearts. For blessed are they that wait for him. He is worth waiting for. The waiting in itself is beneficial to us because it tries our faith, it exercises our patience, it trains our submission, and it endures the blessings when they come. The Lord's people have always been a waiting people. That is so true. How many times in the Old Testament do we see the Israelites waiting on God for one thing or another? And the last thing Charles Spurgeon said that I really like, it says, Those who do not hope cannot wait, but if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. If we are hoping for what we can't see, then with patience we know that we have to wait for God to reveal it. And praise the Lord that God doesn't reveal everything to me all the time when I couldn't handle it, but two, I would want to go to the end and I wouldn't hit all the steps in between. When we moved out here, if I had not finally quieted myself and looked to God and allow him to set those steps, it could have been a train wreck. It could have been just like me trying to bypass those gates this morning if I would have and hit the tracks and then the train hit me. If we try to get ahead of God and we don't wait, it is a wreck. But if we wait on God and we trust him because he is good and he is perfect and he is loving, then it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you and we thank you so much that you give us the privilege of waiting. It's not a chore. It's not a detriment. It's not even a task. It is a privilege that we get to wait on you. It is a privilege that we get to seek you and to praise you and to worship you and to be guided by you. God, as we go through this week, I don't know what people are struggling with, whether it's a decision or whether it's something that's going on in their life that's really hard or whether they are praying for some miracle, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would just help all of us to be able to quiet our spirits, to look to you, to remember how good you are and how consistent you are, to remember that your timing is perfect, even if it doesn't match up with us. And Lord, help us to remember that we need to be content in you. 
And when we do that, Lord, you always show us the next step or even show us the end game. I pray that we would be able to do that. Father, we love you and we praise you. Just thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' most precious name we pray.